0: listening to Team Talk on ESPN Radio, 1017
1: The Team. Welcome back to Team Talk. Joe O'Neill, Sam Hauser, joining us now in the Daniels Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Cool Take Hotline is the founder of the Extra Points newsletter, Matt Brown. You can find his stuff at extrapointsmb.com. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. But uh, when I read your newsletter, I just get smarter, Matt. So uh, I really, really appreciate the the hard work you put into every single newsletter that comes out. So uh, the timeliness, though, was perfect because Sam and I were talking about uh, the Big Ten and this contract stuff and not wanting to play night games. And then, boom, you know, here in our email, uh, we get this uh, full story on it. And, and really, it comes down to dollars and cents more than anything else. Uh, after reading the story, it sounds like, Matt. Yeah, that's generally the case. And it, it's
2: interesting because I've actually heard this a similar complaint from many schools in the Mountain West as well. <clears throat> of course, like their television deal has historically required many of those teams to play night games. The challenge for these gigantic Big Ten schools, people like Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan, that have historically been adverse to playing night games really late in the year, is because they are worried that um, the terrible weather and terrible temperatures will, call it, will, will limit their ability to sell tickets. And you have to think, if you're a place like Ohio State, you've got 102,000 seats in that stadium, and you only sell 92. Well, it's still going to officially show up as a sellout in the box score, but there's going to be 10,000 fewer people that are going to go through the turnstiles, and that means that's 10,000 fewer people that are paying for parking, that are paying for concessions, that are paying for the novelty programs, and and potentially being engaging in the the high level sponsorship stuff, and over the course of the game um, that is, that difference is hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars, if the weather's really bad, considering that expenses also go up for some of these schools, so we'll see it, you know, NBC didn't give the Big Ten all of this money just to put Purdue in primetime for a month, like, they're, they're paying to get some of the blue blood programs in the Big Ten, We'll see if the money alone is going to be enough to uh, to kind of smooth these concerns over.
1: Okay, since you brought up Ohio State, um, you actually did an open records request to find out how many tickets were actually scanned uh, for that afternoon game. A noon start uh, where they listed uh, 101,858, you found it to be about 90. So your point yeah. in that is uh, that's right in the honey hole. Uh, a noon start, uh, Big Ten, you know, a little chilly, yada, yada, yada. Uh, is the epitome of what they're looking for. You're talking about how games in November, uh, they kick off at 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern, eight, 8 in some cases maybe. Uh, the yep. temperature has dropped 25 degrees, and it's late at night. That, 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 that's exactly it. I mean, when you are looking at any kind
2: of official attendance report for a, a Power 5 basketball game or football game or, or even in the Mountain West or, or elsewhere, you can generally subtract 10 to 15% off the official number to know like, how many people actually showed up. Because you know, they're going to be including sure. uh, tickets that were sold but not actually used or given away, not actually redeemed. And, and you're, you're exactly right. Like, you know, it, 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 the weather's brutal in the Midwest throughout a lot of football season. But in late November at night, it can get especially bad. So I have one official, you know, point out specifically to Penn State, which is uh, kind of in the middle of nowhere. If anybody hasn't has really been there, it's not really near Philadelphia or Pittsburgh. And so a lot of people are driving in on single lane roads, you know, from their from their homes, possibly it's, 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 in a snowstorm. Possibly in a snowstorm, exactly with black ice and the dark. <laughs> That's it's bad really enough it. to do that at noon. It's much worse after people have had all day to get nice and lubricated. <laughs> to then hit those roads again it's asking for trouble yeah
1: it sure is uh yeah the last thing you want is a game, you know, of a high intensity game, like spilling out at uh, eleven thirty or twelve at night, which it could be. So, I, I you honed in on something that I wanted to kind of go back to, just in terms of the general attendance numbers that are released as related. I I just remember a few years back that, like, sometimes schools will count cheerleaders and the band. I mean, like, with regard to their attendance number, uh, they they justify it with stuff like that. But like you said ten to fifteen, and probably in other cases, Matt, uh, it might even be embellished more than that. But you don't have time to go through and do public records, uh, you know, on every team in the country. I just, I, I think you're hitting on uh, something that sometimes people don't really they real they don't realize, Matt.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think anybody should take the official attendance figures for anything as gospel, right? If you are, uh, it's kind of, kind of the, one of the, the worst kept secrets in the industry. There's technically a bylaw on the books that says if you want to be like an FBS institution, you have to have an average attendance of, I think it's like 15,000 over a two-year period. And technically, if you don't report numbers that high, then you could risk being kicked out of FBS. And the dirty little secret is most G5 teams don't hit that number, Uh, especially teams in the MAC that are playing their November schedules on Tuesdays or nobody is showing up, like that's just for TV. So what you do, right, you count cheerleaders, you count the band, you have Pepsi or your Athletic Foundation, buy 3,000 tickets, they donate them. Maybe people show up. Maybe they don't. And you say 16,000 people are there when you can count the people in the stands if you're watching the broadcast. And, and let me just I, tell you, you yeah. some,
1: the school at the top of that uh, for creativity uh, the last 15 years has been our very own New Mexico State down in Las Cruces. Of course, we got UNM here in Albuquerque. And, and I appreciate you like uh, your, your, uh, your knowledge on stuff going out here in the West because a lot of times people do these national newsletters and they stick. Uh, You know, you're based out of where again, Matt? I'm based out of Chicago. There you go, okay. I have lived all over the country,
2: though. I've spent time in Phoenix and Sacramento and... I those are These are our readers, right? There's a lot more schools like New Mexico in the country than there are like Ohio State.
1: Right. So getting back to New Mexico State with this example on the attendance, I, I remember there was a, a promotion New Mexico State did where if you went and bought tickets to the high school game the night before between Las Cruces High and Las Cruces Mayfield, you could get into the New Mexico State Aggie football game for free, so that that's really being creative, huh? Uh, the you know your ticket from the high school game, which there by the way was huge demand on those. Those high schools do not like each other, but anyway, uh, it is what it is, and that is a dirty yep. little secret. Uh, but they just try to get around it a little bit. All right, Sam, I want to bring you
0: in. Yeah, so just with the Ohio State example, and I know you're using that match just as an example, but with all the details that are in this with the Big Ten of. Not everybody's sure who's allowed to be selling rights for this media rights deal. You know, the Big Ten's trying to do this. Fox, you know, says it's their thing. You have cases where different coaches are not, or think their opinion matters in how these contracts get signed. For a conference that, you know, in this world that we're in now of college football, a conference that's supposed to be one of the two at the top, what did you find in there that was most alarming that could, you know, potentially create a ripple effect with all these conferences trying to work out their own new deals?
2: Yeah, you know, one of the things I think it's important for fans to realize is that these are enormously complicated contracts. The Big Ten deal to negotiate and and craft uh, partners between CBS and NBC and Fox and, and what's carved out for BTN, even if there was an agreement in principle for Fox and CBS to be two of those main holders, and that really was the case for several months before this was announced, it takes so long to hash out the details. And here we can see an example of, even after people have done that, they missed something very important, which is important to realize here, I think, in the context of the Pac-12. Obviously, that has been a more public experience than I think any of those parties would have wanted, and it's taken longer. But these negotiations taking a year and taking lots and lots of billable hours is not unusual, right? Like, I'm, I'm talking to even a couple of leagues that are FCS leaks, right, like the Big Sky or the Summit. You know, we wrote about that earlier. They still have to bring in outside television consultants, and that is a 6-, 9-, 12-month-plus process for stuff that's mostly living on ESPN+. So I think we can look at this with the, with the situation with NBC not knowing that schools don't want to play these games at night, with the Big Ten apparently not realizing who actually owns all of the rights, the arrangement with BTN and Fox is kind of a complicated legal setup. Like, these are understandable mistakes, but you also pay these lawyers 500 bucks an hour to not make these mistakes. This, this, is, is, the kind of, this is the kind of thing you don't want, and, and I imagine anybody you're know, reading this is sitting there you know, highlighting the headline here and sending it to their general counsel, I'm like, this can't be us in three years.
0: Well, and especially when you're talking about $7 billion. I mean, you think you want to have everything scored away, Matt. Of, of course. And, and, like, I don't look at this as necessarily a deal-breaking crisis,
2: even though the headlines are terrible. Because, you know, let's say, okay, we've got to claw back some of this revenue to make Fox whole for NBC getting the, the conference championship game in 2026. Okay, so maybe we make $4 million less for a couple of years. Ohio State's got a two hundred and twenty million dollar budget. Um and even the, the modest programs here, your Purdue's, your Minnesotas, your uh, your Runkers, they're all gonna be making more than sixty million dollars in television. So does it suck to lose four or five when you had that budget? Yes. Can you survive? Yes. That television deal is more than New Mexico's entire budget. Um you you, you you can you can you can figure those things out. When it's such a big deal too, you you know, there's ways that you can kind of you know, create make goods. to uh, to let this work for everybody, adding some extra inventory, moving some games to neutral sites like we just saw with Penn State and Michigan State. It's a pain in the butt. But because the Big Ten has so much power and influence and it's such a financially important league, these kind of disagreements and problems are not mission, they're not going to torpedo the entire agreement. If this was happening with the American Athletic, it would be a very different story.
0: We're talking to Matt Brown, publisher of Extra Points newsletter, Anything going on in the world of college sports, it's the place to go. Extra points, newsletter. He's with us here on Team Talk, ESPN Radio 1017, the team. So, you know, maybe it's not the American, but you mentioned the Pac 12, Matt. Are yeah. they at this point, are they negotiating against themselves the longer this drags out with teams in the Pac twelve waiting to see if they should go, if other teams, you know, like a San Diego State trying to see if they should jump in. Where yeah. where is this now with the, with the Pac twelve? How does this ultimately end? i i I, what i'm telling everybody at this point is i literally my
2: honest answer is i literally don't know exactly how it ends and part of that is because getting really directly sourced information about this particular deal is a major challenge because so much of the coverage that's happening right now i really feel is is wish casting on some level where it's a source affiliated with the pac-12 institution trying to project stability so they're saying one thing you have a couple of people that are affiliated with the broadcast companies that are trying to apply political pressure to drive down the price, and so they're leaking one thing. And then you have people affiliated with the Big 12 and the Big 12 corporate interests that want to create a sense of instability and fear so they can apply political pressure on the four-corner schools. And so they're going to go leak one thing. Now, one of the things that I, think is, I think is important for fans to realize for these kind of stories is that the number of people on campus that have direct You know, first-hand knowledge of these negotiations is very small. Coaches don't know anything about any of this stuff. They don't know about conference realignments. They don't know what's going on in those meeting rooms. And ADs and presidents aren't telling them. But coaches are happy to talk, (laughs) especially assistant coaches. And that's who most reporters on this beat talk to most of the time. So you have to think about that. And even ADs. Often are not kept completely in the loop on these conversations. They're very presidential driven. They're very board of directors regent driven, and they're driven by a handful of industry high level consultants. What I can what I can say is based on the conversations I have had with people with direct knowledge of of the of what does happen at the Pac-12. They're still talking to a lot of people. They're still talking on some level to ESPN. We can we can we can quibble about whether that's how interested ESPN is. They're still talking. They're still talking to amazon and apple they've talked to a couple of other smaller linear distributors um and it's, i would i would agree with the idea that it's definitely in the pac-12's interest to get this done sooner rather than later because the longer it stretches yeah the, the whatever's left of their leverage which is tiny to begin with is going to continue to evaporate because the, you know these broadcasters realize that arizona and arizona state and colorado and utah and other schools too are facing significant political pressure so we'll we'll see if the Pac-12 presidents are right about hey we have something in principle done we're just going to nail it down and get it ready next month or uh if they've been setting expectations incorrectly one way or another this should reach a conclusion in about four to
0: six weeks and at this point it's still a total guessing game because of how many dominoes have to fall in any kind of different direction but where do you think San Diego State ends up? I think they end up in the Pac-12, and I, I was, I, I've, I don't, I don't think this is a
2: state secret here. I talked to their athletic director earlier this week. I talked to some people, uh, you know, high up in, in that program and elsewhere, and they, they telegraphed this. They would prefer to be in the Pac-12. They want to have the academic cachet of saying that they are a peer institution to a Stanford and Cal. This is something that their boosters and their regents have aspired to really since. The 1970s, um, and it is uh, a, a, a much tighter geographic fit for them. Like, one of the things that I think maybe sometimes fans kind of forget a little bit when looking at the, the hey, do you we want to join the Pac 12 or the Big 12? Beyond the academics and culture stuff here is, one thing, for USC and UCLA to join the Big 10 and commit to all of those cross country flights when they're making 50, 60, 70 million dollars in television, and you're going to be on broadcast TV every single week. Sure. It's another thing. If you're making $30 million and half your stuff's going to be on ESPN Plus, that's a lot of money and a big ask. And San Diego State like would prefer not to do that. They don't want to go to Morgantown in Orlando every
1: season. No, no. And um, since you mentioned San Diego State, the connection there to the Pac-12, another school that uh, was rumored is Fresno State out of the Mountain West to go to the Pac-12. It, you know, any hunch on that at all, Matt?
2: No. So what I've been hearing mostly is there have been conversations, but neither the Pac-12 or the Big 12 are especially interested in Fresno right now. Gotcha. And part of the reason you have those conversations is because, my understanding, uh, I'd department officials at Fresno are trying to get a take a bond passage and get voters in, this, in the city of Fresno to pay for some, some tax changes to help fund stadiums I and it. help fund some capital improvement. So if you kind of... A week that there's some conversations, or there may be some interest, maybe that makes it easier to go get the taxpayers to go pick some of these things up. Not because. Uh, given where the department is right now, but they're an especially attractive candidate.
1: And, and the last time thing I'll ask you about Mount West, UNLV has actually like had their name, even though their deficiencies in football and men's basketball, uh, you know, the, yet uh, they uh, they are also somewhat of a, a fact, you know, like a, a, an ornament, so to speak, as far yeah. as Mount West schools. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I, I believe reporting
2: that, that they've had some conversations with the Big Twelve. I am personally highly skeptical that, that there would be an especially attractive candidate. You know, a couple of the things you think about with UNLV, like, one, the Vegas television market's really not actually that big. Correct. The city's growing, but it's not a top 35, D, you know, uh, right. D, uh, the television market. And, and more importantly, it's growing from transplants. The people that are moving to the Las Vegas area, either for, because of the Air Force or because of some other jobs, Yeah. They're bringing their, their, own, uh, their old home teams with them. It's the same problem with Phoenix. You probably see this even a little bit with parts of New Mexico where they're not immediately coming in and rooting for the hometown team, especially like that hometown team has been one of the three worst at the FBS level in my lifetime. Yeah. Like, you know, Randall Cunningham was, was great, and UNLV has mostly been a, a turbo irrelevant for the last 30 years, and the basketball team has mostly been irrelevant in, in over the last decade. Um, they're in a market where it's a place for school. Like people want to hold events, but it's never going to be very easy to really build a recruiting, a sustainable recruiting operation there. And it's the kind of market that looks much more attractive on paper. Until you get to campus and you learn about what kind of students UNLV has and the kind of people that live in Las Vegas, I would be very surprised. Like that would that would strike me as a reach just like it would be a reach to go at Rice because you want to be in
1: Houston.
2: Like, yeah, no, Rice gotcha. is there, but yeah. there's a difference between being there and having
1: fans. <laughs> all right, that's the kind of stuff you get uh, with Extra Points newsletter. Go to Extra ExtraPointsMB for Matt Brown, so ExtraPointsMB.com, and you can sign up for the newsletter, all kinds of information, because he does uh, have his stuff together. All right, he knows his stuff. Let's just put it that way. All right, Matt, thanks again for joining us here in Albuquerque we'll be in touch appreciate you okay of course hey anytime fellas appreciate it thank, thank you. you all right thanks again to matt brown brown with uh extra points so you could check out extra points mb.com all right coming up next there can be a good time and a bad time to play a team this feels like a good one we'll tell you about that when we come back team talk espn radio 1017, the team